Good morning. Greetings to you in Jesus' name. Dale gave a good introduction. We are from Word of Hope congregation. And I think you had a part in that. I don't know um, exactly all details, but I think our deacon received a check for the work there of building, and you all had a part in that. And we were humbled and grateful for that. As churches work together, we did purchase a building, remodeling it, and we are uh, grateful for what God has given to us in that. Continue to pray for us as we adjust here late spring hopefully to move in and us country people it's right on the edge of town and so we will be if my children want to make a racket and a ruckus they may well now I'm not sure (laughs) we're used to just you know let some energy let them run off some energy well it's a challenge to have a testimony for God wherever we are So the title of this morning is very general, but it's one I preached at Melmont here a number of months ago, back in December. Simply an awareness and to get our minds focused back on the spiritual warfare that we are involved in, whether we realize it or not. There's a few R words that came about as I studied this, five of them. Just want to have the revelation of the war, reality of the war, responsibility of the war, and the results of the war, and then the rewards of the war. I don't know if that's too many R's, but... So the first one is the revelation of the war. How, how do we know we are in this war? What, what, do we, what have we been given? And you may, I do not have a text to go off of, um, be going through different scriptures, but in Revelation chapter 5 is where it gives indication of how this war started. It doesn't talk about a war using the words in this chapter. It does a little bit later on in Revelation. And a side note, I'm preaching some sermons from Revelation and find it rather enjoyable and difficult at the same time. Revelation chapter 5, I just want to look at, just in summary here as you begin the first verse In the right hand of the one who sat on the throne, a book written, sealed with seven seals. And a strong angel said, who is able to loose these seals? No man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look therein. And John, he wept much. There was no man was found worthy to open and to look thereon. And then verse 5, one of the elders said, saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now just turn over to chapter 9, or verse 9, sorry. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue 
and people and nation, and had, hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. The big question is, what is this book or scroll that's sealed? There's different ideas about it, but one of them that just gives a general idea is that this is represents the relationship of God to his created mankind as we are. And in some ways it could be a title deed of who owns us. And also the purpose of God in, in redeeming mankind. It, it's a general picture of, of what we see there as the Lamb took it and was able to, as we read there in the, how the angels sang, they was worthy to open it because he was slain and he redeemed us to God by, the, by his blood. Now if you continue on to chapter 12... This is where you get a little more of an idea what's taking place. As we think of uh, where the war is and, and how it came about, the lamb that was willing and worthy to take the book was not isolated from, as in 12 talks about, a dragon watching and seeing this. And just in summary in chapter 12 here, it says about a woman. If I catch on, there was a child born just recently. You know that a woman is in travail right before birth. And in the second verse, it says there, And she being with child, child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. That's the wonder that John saw. Verse 3 says, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, a great red dragon, seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns upon his heads. And as you keep reading there, he was just waiting to devour this child. A very graphic picture of the intentions of this dragon to devour. Uh, human minds don't think about that, but when we, we think of what this means he wanted to destroy he wanted to kill he wanted to remove it he did want that child to be born and even continuing on it says about he uh, uh, persecuted the the woman I don't see it exactly but the woman fled a place where God could take um, care of her uh, all the what all that means is not totally sure but in then in verse 7 of chapter 12 it says and there was war in heaven and here's where we see a little bit of where conflict is happening. Not that we see it or know we know of it, we don't see it, but a war in heaven where Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. There was a conflict, there was war. And it says, they prevailed not. The dragon and his angels could not prevail. In verse 8, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. We use the little lingo, he was kicked out of heaven. And that says it in our terms. But verse 9 and 10 down through there um, gives a little bit of a, a fill in there of the rejoicing that took place when this accuser is cast out. In verse 10 there it talks about it. 11 and 12 down through to verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman 
which he brought, which brought forth the man-child. And again, the woman there in 14 was given two wings that she could fly to the wilderness. And in 15, the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. So not only was he worried about the child anymore, he was even worried about destroying the woman. And the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed up the water, swallowed up the flood, which a dragon cast out of his mouth. Verse 17, and a dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. You found out in the end of verse 17 where the war is at. The dragon was wroth, and you talk about wroth. This is an enraged anger. A, I mean, we get that way sometimes, depending on what happens in our lives. You just uh, an emotion comes over you. I don't know if, how this is, but it talks about the word wroth there, and enraged with the woman. And he went to make war with who? Those that keep the commandments of God and those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now you have the battle, no, not the battle, enemy, can't even put it. Party one, party two, that's not how, you got the two sides. And they are at odds with each other. And that is the revealing of the war as given from scripture. Now, as we know of physical battle on earth, you have the war of any, you could pick them, but today we have Israel, and uh, I'm not sure if they're specifically against a certain uh, extremist group, Hamas or any others, but the, you, you um, have Russia going into Ukraine, and you pretty well have an overviewing of a war going on. But you also have those soldiers going in and targeting a specific place and then there's an actual battle that happens where the fighting takes place and they either conquer or overcome it or they lose it and we see the whole war of God and Satan but for us today the battle comes uh, the war gets put down to battles in our life and if you are engaged in fighting if you are dealing with something you are in part of the war. It may seem like the whole war, but it's not, as you think of the, the overarching uh, view of the war. But the battle is the specific engagement of fighting, but that's what helps determine if you're going to win the war. Through all these individual small battles that take place, you keep continuing to conquer, you gain ground. And that brings us pretty well into the next one the reality of the war like how does this how does this really work and i've i have scripture just you won't be able to probably turn to them necessarily but second corinthians 10 3 and this is nothing new to you just to reemphasize how this reality of the war is for second corinthians 10 3 for though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh all of you know that spiritual warfare is not flesh and blood. That's why we forget about it. 
We don't have it in front of our minds, in front of our lives. I mean, we can at times, but we need to remember spiritual warfare is one of the spirit, not of the flesh. And I appreciated Sunday school as we talked about the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, being with us all the time. And we didn't quite explain what forever means. I think that was given there in the verse. But we have the promise that he will always be with us. However, the human flesh... Our flesh and blood is, contains this spirit. God's in us. Holy Spirit's in us. And I see that as that's where the battlefield is. That's where the war takes place. Inside of you. The way that God does things are just greater than we can imagine. But you know when you are faced with something, you, you come up against it, you either have to go one way or the other. And it's determined by your mind, by your thoughts, and you have the choice to give in or to stand. That is inside of all of us. And it, it's mind-boggling in some ways how God can do that. He put it that way. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the verse following, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but, carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You don't go out and win the spiritual war by defeating and overcoming physical things. The strongholds they're talking about are ones of like mindsets of truth, of error, of, of different beliefs that are out there. And you... you Pull those down to where truth reveals. And so we don't use physical weapons for a spiritual war. James 4.1 says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members. In school we had a teacher that liked debates, and I was maybe 8th grade, and I didn't understand it. He wanted to split us down the middle, and he would say, "Any, all of you, and this is what he posed to us, he said, if you believe you are a spiritual being with human experiences, you go over here, and if you think you are a human being with spiritual experiences, you go over here. Now, it never did happen. I think he wanted to, but we were a little too ignorant, I think, to know how to get what he wanted. He wanted discussion on, are you a human being? Or are you a spiritual being? And it does us well to think about it. That it is possible, and maybe even so, that we are more spiritual beings with human experiences. And it's a technical thing, maybe, if you want to say. But to think about it, that we are, our soul will never die. And maybe that's not part of us in a physical way, but that part of us is what is more important almost than the, than the physical 2 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You all understand the reality of the war. It is the lusts that war against us. Ephesians 6.12, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This uses the word wrestle, for we wrestle. 
You may have been one that wrestled when you were younger. I didn't wrestle so much with my brothers. I probably would get beat. I don't know. We did some, but you all know what it was like to wrestle. And the word wrestle here in Greek, if you study it, I enjoy Greek. I attempt to at times uh, try to understand what the wording is. But this word wrestle is hand-to-hand combat. When you think of two people that war nowadays, you just fly a drone there and you just uh, let that thing do the business. But this word wrestle means hand-to-hand combat. You are right there. You are, and as we know of it inside of us, it's, you're wrestling with something. It is, words don't quite get it, but it's, it's, you're engaged right with it. And that is what the word wrestle. We wrestle not against just flesh and blood, but against all these uh, things of darkness. And it is against Satan's kingdom that we wrestle. And it lists all these as we think of powers, rulers of darkness, uh, the spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, that's, that's the things that we are, are wrestling uh, with. Now, the responsibility of the war, like what, what do we have to do with this? First. Uh, Timothy 1.18 says, This charge I commit unto thee, O son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. It's two words there, that he might war a good warfare. And I think we need to embrace, as I see it here in Scripture, spiritual warfare, not as a concept, Not something that we just think, oh, that's the idea that's out there. But as a personal responsibility of it is taking place, it is happening, and that we have something to do with it. 1 Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. We call ourselves non-resistant Mennonites, and rightly so. But if you want to take all those reservations and internal fightings and strugglings that you want to put against a physical thing here on earth, just take them and move them to the spiritual, and you are allowed to fight as hard as you want. And yet we're so weak in it. We catch a prayer here and there, we read scripture, we continue on in our work because that's just life. We have these things. Life just puts pressure on us. The commitment to an unshakable and unmovable faith will always give us the upper hand in any battle we face. This verse talked about fight the good fight of faith. And if you hold to faith... A faith and a belief in Jesus Christ, that will win you through any battle that comes along. Romans 13, 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So I studied the armor of light. Light is a great thing, almost one that they don't, understand yet the energy in light the properties of light it's it's they're still trying to learn 
But light we know as one that just pushes the darkness away. And this word uh, armor is kind of a little bit uh, weak, maybe, if you'd say in the King James here. But armor um, we think of as in the, the defensive. So you put your breastplate on, all the things listed there, you know, for spiritual warfare. That's your armor. That, that's defense. But in, in studying it, how, how is light, an armor of light? That doesn't work because light is not defensive. Light is offensive. It's able to win and push against <clears throat> darkness. And here we need to put on the armor of light. And I found it interesting how that those two kind of in our mind don't go along. But as we read it, we think of armor. Uh, armor is anything that can help in the war. So whether it's defensive or offensive, it, it's part of it. And there's other verses that talk about the armor. I actually see one here, 2 Corinthians 6, 4. But in all things, approving <clears throat> ourselves as the minister of God, and then uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 7b uh, finishes it, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. I don't really know what it means by right hand and on the left, other than we're given two hands. We've got a left hand and a right hand, and we need to hold on to this armor. Now, maybe not just in defense, but offense. Armor, both ways, of righteousness. <clears throat> we are all ministers of God. We are servants of God. It's maybe a better word there. It's ministers, servants, similar both of our spiritual hands need to be holding the weapons of righteousness. 2 Timothy 2.3 Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4 No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So here is my difficulty in life as we think of one that wars becoming entangled with the affairs of this life and it says that he may please him who hath chosen him to be soldier so the roman soldier i don't know much about him but they were given jobs to do they'd say whoever's in charge a centurion or whoever would say to his soldiers go do this and this <clears throat> he was not allowed to get involved in anything other than what he was told to do. It was even the thing of, um, I don't have it in my notes really, but in reading it, it was, so if they saw a problem in the civilians or the common people having a difficulty or something, they were just supposed to let it go. They weren't to get involved in that. They were supposed to stick with what they we're told to do. He was not allowed to get involved in anything else. His job was to be a soldier. And I don't know how or what your view or take of how you are getting entangled in the things of this life. But they are not part of the war. We get caught up in things that don't have to do with the war. This is probably... Like I said about what 
faces me the most of ignoring this war that's going on and I'd rather just be entangled by the things of the world. <clears throat> Are you the same Christian that you were years ago? Or are you actually growing? We think we're growing. We read scripture. We understand things. But as you think of the war, I uh, ask myself the question about growing. It, it seems as if if you want to grow in the Lord, you better grow in the battle. You better grow in the war. If you ignore the war, how are you going to grow as a Christian? Ephesians 6.10, I referenced it a little bit. Um, I have the verses listed here about, uh, and I'll just, I'm going to read them. Ephesians 6.10, they're very familiar. But finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 13, maybe I'm skipping one there. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We need to put on the whole armor, like I said, the offense and the defense both, as a fully equipped soldier ready for battle. And I mentioned those loins with truth, breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Prayer and supplication. You know it as well. The way to win war is through prayer. The way to win battles is through prayer. Prayer and supplication. I'm not sure if supplication is the one where you pray on behalf of somebody else. Are you concerned about the battle that some your brother's facing? We have examples in Scripture where God moves through prayer. And uh, I don't have uh, one of the chapters in Revelation I was studying talked about the angel that went to the the altar of incense. And it was because that's where the smoke went up, it was the prayers of the saints. And the angel grabbed the fire that was there and he threw it to the earth. I don't know all the meanings with it, but the one that came to mind was in 1 Kings. It's in the Old Testament when Elijah, very familiar story, where he prayed to God in front of all those prophets of Baal, the priests and prophets of Baal, numbers of them, lots of them. And I think he said about in his prayer... I'll just read here a little bit. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, 
Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And the next verse says, And the fire of the Lord fell. As if that angel said, I hear you. Let me help you out. Get some fire, and I will just reveal myself. That's my own little take on it. I don't know. We have, uh, as part of outreach with Millmont, a word of hope there, um, we're just splitting Sunday evening services where we're going to begin on our own. Tonight's actually the first one. But the evening service at Millmont tonight is uh, one of the fellows that was in that uh, Haiti situation where they were kidnapped. Um, I want to say Sam somebody. I'm not sure the name's right off. He's coming to church to talk. And you think about the prayers that were offered on behalf of that group. And how God in heaven could just stand up there and ignore the earnest, pleading, real prayers. Sincere. And God would just ignore those and say no. That may have been his will. This group's going to be there. They're going to die. They're going to be testimony for my name. Except I'm hearing too many people praying and they're, they're asking. And he says, okay. I will let them be free. That was an intense. I skimmed a book reading about it there. The direct, if you want to say combat, that was hand-to-hand combat where these men, possessed by the Satan, the evil darkness right in front of them, was unable, they were unable to penetrate into the realms of light that these men had that were held captive. In the name of Jesus, they could hold things back. That is war that we're in. We aren't so much faced with that, but that, I I, I wonder. We, you know, you take a say, and I think, I'm assuming all of you are familiar with that, but you take a situation like that, and we go, wow, that was, that was just a awesome God revealing he did what he... And a few men were spared, women, group, you know, God saved their lives. Or we don't know what would have happened to them. But how much different is that than the small battles that you are facing on your own? I mean, we see it in a bigger sense because it's just, we saw it, it was manifested more greatly. But did God get much more glory out of that? Yes, he probably did. People just praising the Lord proclaiming his goodness, his greatness. But what about the, the small little battle that you're facing that maybe nobody knows? And you ask God, help me. And he helps you. It's all part of his battle. I think he accepts and acknowledges no matter what type of battle you're facing, what part of the war you're in. The other one is in Acts that I, there's probably a lot of them, but when Peter, put in prison, was delivered of the angel, and in Acts 12, 11, he says, and when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation 
of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And 13 says, And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. I think we know the story there. But there was a prayer meeting taking place again. We get too entangled to pray. For myself, anyway. That was the responsibilities. Let's look at the results of the war. I'm not sure if I'm missing any or not. I guess if I am, I am. The results of the war. 2 Timothy 4.7 I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Remember about the fighting the faith? It says, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. If you want to be able to take this verse personally, you have to be stepping up and being part of the war. You have to become a soldier of Jesus Christ. Roman soldiers got paid to do their job. When we remember that when Jesus, the soldier said, and Lord, what, what should we do? He said, just be content with your wages. They did. They got paid. And I, we will be rewarded as well. Not in a, a physical way, but as eternity and the end of life. Uh, it talks about a crown of righteousness here. John 13, 19, 13. 1930 is the part of the crucifixion and we think of how um, and this is maybe some of the results of the war as it continues on it's a little hard to say when the end of the war is maybe but part of the end of the war was when Jesus hanging on the cross said it is finished and he gave up the ghost and he died as we read about receiving that book, he was worthy to take that book, that scroll, and to be able to go in and open and to, um, as I like to think of it, take possession of our hearts and our lives if we allow him to. But that was a statement of victory. It is finished. And he died. Jesus won the war. Or he won the battle up to that point, if you want to say but he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as we read more in Revelation in 2010, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Look at what's taking place here as God slowly, the end of the earth as we like to think in 2024 is... Things are winding down. They're getting closer. We don't know. But as it does take place, and as we know it, a little bit of the future will, take, will happen, that death and hell, we, you can't grab them. You can't, like, they're concepts, they're things, but they're going to be thrown, cast into the lake of fire. A lake of fire. Just a side note, I happened to study some of the temperatures of stars out in the universe. Maybe you did already too, but it, it's mind-boggling. 
at the elements that are out there and how they say that everything does burn at a certain temperature. I don't know. Lake of Fire. Also, anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was cast into the Lake of Fire. And we see this as the war is finally over. This is the end when we can rejoice as given by the, in Revelation how they just praise the one who is sitting on the throne. And it is where evil is completely judged and removed. It's gone. We can only imagine because the war is still going on inside of us. But then it will be over. Now I have a uh, few, uh, when I was doing the churches in Revelation, I took note that every church had the word overcometh in it. At the end, it would give the maybe the good, the bad. And at the end of each of the churches, <clears throat> it would give a little phrase that says, to him that overcometh. And I want to read those quick for you. As a, uh, we heard this this morning, and we, I think we got it figured out, but love is, doesn't come out of duty, it comes out of will. Now, if I read these, we're going to say, oh, I want that because of this. That's just uh, maybe a selfish motive. But the Lord says, if you serve me faithfully for no ulterior motive other than that you just serve me, and that you overcome, this is what I'm going to give you. So the church in Ephesus says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. One of those places that you can't really imagine the presence of God life forever someday that will happen to him that overcometh and it doesn't necessarily say specifically what you're overcoming I take it as the general life the general battle the war that we each have to go through if we're going to be serving the Lord Till we get to the end of our life, that we can say as you know, some of these references that I have fought a good fight. I did what the Lord asked me to. I did not surrender or did not give in to evil. I kept commandments of what God wanted me to do. The church in Smyrna, the second one here says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now, that one's maybe a little harder to understand what the second death is. But there is physical life and there is spiritual life. And I know for a fact that when you follow God, you don't have to worry about spiritual death. Because you're alive. And it says you will be not, shall not be hurt of the second death. The church in Pergamos uh, reads, And he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth saving he that receiveth it 
If you need a little topic or something to study, I don't know. I read a little bit about the importance of stones way back. And this is a white stone, a new name on it. And to eat of the hidden manna, uh, some, some unknown. I don't, under, I don't grasp what all that is. But that is a promise to him that overcometh. Will I give, as it was stated there. The church in Thyatira And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. There's many little things that we uh, maybe don't understand, but God knows what they are, and he's promising them to us. And then the church in Sardis reads, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. We know that if we betray Jesus, if we betray him, the Father's going to betray us when we get there. He'll say, I don't. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. But on the other hand, when we have our name in the book of life, he says, I'll confess his name before my father and before his angels. Who's this for? The one who can overcome. The church in Philadelphia. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Pretty well says what it is. We will be given a new name, a new identification with Christ. Church in Laodicea, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. I think that's probably the most powerful one. When you think of the work that Jesus did and then went back to the father and he sat with him in his throne. And now he says to us, if you overcome, it says, will I grant to sit with me in my throne? One day, if we're faithful in the war and we overcome, we will be able to sit and be with him in his throne. And if you go back to chapter, or no, actually right next, verse chapter 4, it describes that throne. That's an awesome, unimaginable setting there, how, they, uh, how that is. It's, it's, it's just amazing. So that is maybe an introduction, if you want to say, to spiritual warfare. There's many, many things you could look at and, and examples given. I found a poem from John Greenleaf Whittier. Um, take it for what it's worth, but it, it has a few phrases in that I can identify with. And it just says, so let it be in God's own might. We gird us for the coming fight, and strong in God, whose cause is ours, in conflict with unholy powers, 
we grasp the weapons God has given, the light and truth and love of heaven. And I thought that fit well with our responsibility and what we are to do with the war that we are engaged in. So my prayer is for each of you to go out and be engaged in the war, whatever degree. I think of the brother that working with, you know, the sin of people, choices people have made, how to be engaged in that, I, I don't know. And God gives us wisdom at times through those things. And if we ask, he will give. And let us remember, the war is won. Jesus Christ has been victorious. And we don't have anything to be afraid of. But then it's back to the daily grind. We have it. But no, we can be victorious. And, and it's just gave you a little typical example there of the war. But we're human. We deal with things. But may you each continue on in the, in the things that God has given you. Let us kneel for prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity, the privilege we had to be here this morning. And as we have freedom to meet together and to worship you, we thank you for each of the ones that are here. Thank you for your word, Father, that we can study, we have, gives us direction in life. And even for us to understand the things to come and how you have won the war, the conflict that is taking place between good and evil, light and darkness, and how that conflict is put into each of us in a personal way, each of us as we choose to follow you. And yet, Lord, then in a way, as we fight, as we take on the challenges of life to be good soldiers for you in things that you bring into our lives, and may we know how to be good soldiers, warring the war that you have created or made, or that exists, and that would be faithful. We could hold to the faith that you have won, that you will provide what we need as we continue on in that war. May you bless this church for all that they have done. Continue to give them, most of all, a desire to work together, Lord, as we are together in you, that nothing can tear apart the Satan's temptations, his work cannot penetrate a church that's unified in you. And I pray that they would, this church could continue just to be a light and a witness, um, working for you as you have called them. And may you bless each one that is here. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.